John 3.16. Anybody want to quote it? For God so loved the world. I heard it. I heard it all over. Good job. We know this verse. And it's kind of cool that it's Billy Graham was his favorite verse given to him by his mother. And we can relate because... For most of us, that was our first verse that we memorized. And it's a good one. And it's in our text that we're going to be covering for a while. I do want to, not that I'll do this every week, but I do want to let you know next week, and you'll see the slide up behind me that gives us some direction in this. Next week, John 1, 1 to 18. It's going to be a little different. The message title next week is The Concept. It was always about Jesus. Now, if there was a message that I wouldn't want to miss being here to deliver to you in John, this would be in the top five for sure. And guess what? Let me show you a map up behind me. You'll see it. Yeah, so this is what I'm going to be doing. Right in the middle, you see where it says 27 hours and 5 minutes. We're taking the long route. Stephanie, Hannah, you met them. And then Peyton, you will meet one of these days. We're, we're all going to be driving back. We're doing a purposeful road trip. The, the hope is to plant good memories in the mind of a child. So we're going to stop at some places along the way. And right about where you see that little square that says 27 hours and 5 minutes is right about where we will be Sunday morning, where I will be, if, if God works it out the way we hope He does, I plan to deliver this message from there. You'll see me on this screen more than likely. Not that you have to, but I hope to see you. And I think it's going to be a special time. And for a while, it really bothered me because I planned this whole thing out. And now we got this road trip to do. And it's like, oh, my goodness, we're messing it up. But maybe it's just a sign of things to come. Maybe we're going to be seeing some other different things here. Maybe God's got new things for us as a whole. Maybe he's got new things for us as individuals. And hopefully the technology works. JC is not here in the room, but he's helping with the kids this morning. But he's actually doing a very masterful job at some of this technological stuff. So be sure you tell him you appreciate what he's doing because he's, he's doing a great job. But he's going to work with me today to make this all set up. I want to give you a heads up. So if you were thinking about bringing a friend or a neighbor or a coworker or a family member or something next week. It's like, oh man, the preacher's not even going to be here. Well, I, I want to give you a heads up. There is a very good chance that you might, see, you might see some more people you know in the video. Just saying. I'll leave it at that for now. But we'll, we'll get to that next week. I want to talk to you about something that's interesting. Uh, perspectives of Jesus. Now look at this Rubik's Cube kind of thing. Uh, this is one that I can solve. 
just saying. If it's all the same colors, I can probably fix that one. I want to talk to you about the Synoptic Gospels. Now, when you look at this up behind me, you can see Jesus, and I, I put his name on there because I just wanted you to see kind of what, in, in a non-3D image, kind of imagine it's got all these different sides. And with the Synoptic Gospels, I want to name them, you, if you don't know them, it's Matthew, it's the first one in the list of three, Mark is the second one in the list of three, and Luke is the third one. What I'd like to do is show you how things play out in relationship to what we're going to be looking at in these next several weeks. First, I want to talk about Mark's perspective, and you'll see... Uh, kind of a little thing you see that up behind me kind of shows his perspective of that Rubik's cube that I've labeled Jesus so Mark if you'll notice Matthew Mark and Luke all are on the same side but Mark has a unique perspective his perspective as he looks at Jesus and and is inspired to write what he wrote is probably the most concise yet at the same time most filled documentation about the life of Jesus. He keeps his words shorter, but says a lot. I think we would really like him as a person. He seems a little bit impetuous as a person himself. He was Peter's traveling companion, and this person named Mark, John Mark, I did a message series about that through that whole gospel a few years back, and I called it, that's going to leave a mark, because that's the kind of guy he was, doing impetuous things like Peter. And he's the guy, if you remember, that when they tried to grab him as a disciple of Jesus, he ran off and let them take his clothing as he ran off. They grabbed his clothes, and he just ran off naked. Uh, he's the guy that people who don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture very much like to say that the other Gospels copied from him because he's the one who wrote the first Gospel and he also happens to be the one who seems to have compiled the most information with the fewest words. So people who don't believe in the inspiration of Scripture very much like to say, well, then the others must have copied from him because he had the most piled up, concise information. But that, we know that's not true. God, the Gospels were all inspired. Nobody was copying anybody. God inspired them. Mark just happened to be the first one to have a complete Gospel written down. And then there's also the next one. Let me see what order I got this in. I guess we'll look at Matthew. There you go. Um, Matthew's perspective is an interesting one. I don't know if you ever knew the kid in the cafeteria in high school who sat by himself or sat by herself. Maybe you were that kid. Or if you ever felt like the one that people were staring at when you walked anywhere in school and they were making fun of you. Or when you, you had some friends but you weren't really sure because they stabbed you in the back a few times and you didn't know if you could trust them, but they're all you had. Or if you, as an adult, find yourself sometimes not liking people. This is a common trend today. Many people will say, I just don't like people. I just, I just rather not be around people. People talk about, I'd like to have a job where there's no people. People don't go to church because of the people. 
A guy was telling me this week that, uh, well, I tried, he was commenting about the baptism that we did do on Monday, which is cool. Um, but he was saying, yeah, it's not my thing. I've, I've tried church, many churches I've tried. It's just not my thing. Don't, not, don't want anything to do with it. And uh, as you peel that back a little bit, you find out it's because of the people that were not kind. And I told him, well, you're, you're never going to find a perfect church because it's full of people and people are imperfect. And he said, well, that's an interesting thing. It's like it never crossed his mind. That's the way it is. And, and if God blesses us where we have more people here, guess what? That necessarily means more drama. And there's, there's a reason why Jesus had to tell us in the Gospel of John in particular a new command I give you, love one another. It's not easy. It doesn't just happen automatically to just love everybody. Now, I've got to tell you, from my perspective, Stephanie and I came here, me to fill in here at this church, and now I'm here permanently. Well, and I can tell you, you have loved us incredibly, and I am very grateful. I think we're actually, you're already, before I got here, you were already ready to have new people coming and show them what it's like to treat them well. You already know how to do that. So I, I'm very appreciative. But if you, those people that I mentioned you can relate to, the outcasts, the ones that other people didn't want to be friends with, the, the ones that felt like, like if you talk about your childhood, maybe you say, well, I, I was a nerd. Or maybe you were even an athlete and you still felt like you were isolated. Well, then you could relate to Matthew because that's him. He's, he was a tax collector. People weren't supposed to talk to them or eat with them associate in any way with them because they worked for the government. I, I, I sometimes think the way people, especially God's people, viewed the government of the day in Jesus' time, it would be wonderful if we could get back to that. Because it's, it's, it's sick hearing people talk about how the government should solve our problems when Jesus is the solution to our problems. And if we want to help poor people, come on, Christians, it's our job, not the government's. It's not the same when people take from somebody against their will to give to other people. It's a whole lot different when you want to help people who are in need. You give sacrificially on your own, willingly, with love. That's our responsibility. And if the church would do that, do you know what could happen in this community? When the tornado hit Joplin, um, a, a friend of mine that I, I'm shocked that I get to be, call him a friend, Randy Garris is a preacher. He preached at College Heights Christian Church in Joplin, Missouri for many years. And when the tornado hit, it was an interesting thing because they, the government set up a bunch of help at Missouri Southern State University. They, had, they were ready to help the community. Well, guess what? They had to call that church because they, they wanted to let the church know, hey, we've, we've got supplies, we've got stuff, because uh, the church was helping everybody and nobody was showing up for the government help. There was such a powerful statement in Joplin, Missouri, that a church helped the community recover better than the government, that when Barack Obama spoke about it, 
when he got when he made his presence, Randy Garris got to give the speech. If the church would just understand, we have a responsibility to share Jesus with a world that so desperately needs him. Matthew, Matthew understood that perspective. He understood that kingdom's perspective. He talked about it a lot. He understood grace, and we're going to talk about that in in a little bit too, but we'll talk about it through John. He understood what it was like to be accepted when everybody else would reject it. He knew what it was like to be an outcast. Probably related to Jesus on the cross better than any of the other gospel writers. But then there's Luke. Luke's perspective, you'll see it come up behind me, is a different angle on the cube. So I, I wanted to show you that cube because even though they're on the same side, they're still not seeing it precisely the same. Just like if there's a traffic accident and many witnesses, they will interview each one. They don't just say, oh, we have 10 witnesses, we're just going to talk to one. One's good. They talk to all of them because each one will have a different perspective. Luke's perspective is a unique one, just like the other three. Luke's perspective, particularly he identifies it when he says that he was, he double-checked and he made sure that he was writing an orderly account. So if you want to turn to any of the four Gospels to figure out what order things were actually in, Luke's is the one. But then we have a different Gospel we haven't talked about. John. And look where John is on the chart. He's on the other side. In John's perspective, you'll see it come up in a little triangle there too. He's got a completely, well I shouldn't say completely, but a definitely a, a perspective from a different point. He's, he's got a, his perspective is, is on the other side. You see, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics, wrote about what Jesus did. John wrote about what Jesus said. And let me tell you, this is way deeper than I'm, tell- I'm going to say right now. We will talk about that quite a bit, if the Lord wills, next week. But this is the difference between the synoptic Gospels and John. The synoptics wrote more about what Jesus did. John wrote more about what Jesus said. And in a world where there's so much chatter and noise and confusion because people have decided to get rid of, the, of prayer and the Bible in schools. I got one of my first Bibles in elementary school from the Gideons that were allowed to give them out. Now the Gideons get in trouble if they step too close on the sidewalk to a school with their Bibles. And they better have permission to even do that. We got rid of them, and now people are coming from a place of confusion, writing books, doing video messages, and putting things on the internet, and pouring into children's minds, all kinds of nonsense, because they've pushed aside the book that makes more sense than any other book in the world. So, how cool would it be if we could go through the, this book within the book, that focuses on what Jesus said. That's what we're going to do. So back to that chart you heard the music to uh, a minute ago, and you've seen it. Uh, We'll go to the next slide. 
So what is all this? Because there's a lot of stuff happening. I did that on purpose. Up behind me, you see a Greek word and how to say it. Kata Ionan. That is translated according to John. So there's a lot of chaos going on on that uh, slide when you first look at it. But actually, if, when you start to put things together, you'll see it's actually, it all comes together. And it will when all is said and done. But the title of the message series, if you want to know, because it might be confusing, is Kata Ionan, or if you want to translate it, it's according to John. But you can practice saying it. That's why I have it for you there. Kata Ionan, according to John. It's the gospel according to John. We're going to look at the life of Jesus according to John. And I have that thing at the end, what he said, because that's a common phrase, you know, yeah, what she said, what he said. We're going to focus on what he said, what Jesus said. When you have a conversation with somebody about the Bible, it's so much better to be able to say, well, I think we'll, you'll find your answer right here, chapter and verse. Because then it's the, end of the com- it's the end of the argument. There it is. Boom. What he said. What Jesus said. Not what the preacher said. Not what the Sunday school teacher said. Not what parents said. Not what the school said. Not what the textbook says. Not what the internet says. What he said, according to John. We're going to talk about all of these different subjects. They all are in there, and they all go together. It's fascinating, actually. So we're going to get to do that in the next several weeks, if the Lord permits. The one verse that we are going to look at will come up in just a minute, because I want to ask the question, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of the Gospel of John? You see, that's a good question to ask. And Jim gave a, a meditation earlier, and he, he actually quoted from John and gave a purpose of something within the purpose, which was very cool. We didn't plan that out. God did that. So it's kind of cool how it tied together. But for your information, I want to give you this. It's not going to come up behind me. But when was John written? It's written about 90 A.D. So in the first century, it was complete. But, but a bigger question is, why? Why did he write this? Why did God inspire him to write this? Well, it just so happens. He tells us. Let's read this. You'll see it up behind me. I'll read it to you now. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, you'll see it underlined behind me. This is the purpose of John. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is the purpose. He stated it. He said it right there. This is why this is written. So I went to the very end of John. We start at the very beginning next week. I go to the very end to give you clearly the purpose. You see it underlined behind me. So that you can actually know you have life in His name. 
Now that's kind of cool if you think about it. The purpose of John ties in with your purpose. You, you have this book within the Bible that talks about, that, that clearly says the reason why it's there is so that you can believe. And that by believing, you have life in His name. That's significant. And there's some themes that run through it, and I'm going to hit just a few right now. The first one that uh, comes to mind when we look at this is, is hope. So if you know somebody, or if it happens to be you, if you live in a world, because there is so much chaos going on, if you turn the TV on, you're going to be inundated with negativity. I recommend turn it off. But hope is something that this world desperately needs and that Jesus provides. There are people that we have in our families that have been struggling with hope. They don't even know why they're here. They don't know their purpose. And so they don't have hope. Too many people I've talked to, even recently, that say as if there's no answer to the question, why am I even here? We can uncover in this book hope. And specifically in the Gospel of John, there's so much hope. And then the next concept I want to highlight in this particular part of our discussion is peace. If you look around very much at all at world events, there is a lot of unrest. And this kind of stuff is permeating the minds of everyone we know. And if there's ever a time where we need to pull out of scriptures, highlight verses on peace, it's now. Guess what? We get to do that as we go through the Gospel of John. Another theme that runs through the Gospel of John that is, that is glaring, it, that's the concept of life. What's life about? And the practicality is off the charts. Maybe you've noticed as we've gone through different books in the Bible, like, like going through the letters of Peter and going through the prison epistles, it's, it's amazing. It's almost uncanny how just walking through the Bible, Scripture speaks to our lives. And we all have different lives going on. And yet it speaks to us and guides us, comforts us, provides hope and peace. And the Gospel of John, I'm telling you right now, is one of the most chock-full books in the Bible of this kind of stuff. I, there's so much ahead of us. I, I had a really hard time figuring out how I was going to give you an introduction because I want to talk about all of it right now. It's so much good stuff. It also, another concept within here is truth. Truth is a, truth is a thing that is discussed in various levels in various uh, universities and below. It's it's something that people will spend time doing graduate and postgraduate work on and then 
and still at the end of it all struggle with it. But if they would simply look at what the Bible says, they would see that this truth is time-tested and proven, practical, and very, very enlightening. John has so much about truth. And, and I can't leave this one out. Love. Now, if you're going to talk about Bible terms... And if you're going to rattle off common terms that you would say, well, that's a subject we would have to cover if we're going to talk about the Bible, love would be one of them. It would be a big one. And it's a big one in John. Very big one. And I would definitely be doing you a disservice if I did not talk about the glaring over-subject that encompasses all of these, and that is grace. And you will see this in John, maybe with a, a different, at a different angle than you've seen before. Some stuff that we might have been taught about God's grace, we might actually have to unlearn and learn that His grace is bigger than we thought. His grace is so big that no matter what any of us have done, and I mean any of us, and you know I work with some people who've done some very bad things but His grace is big enough for all of them. Even the worst of the worst. His grace is big enough. Now, I'm going to show you an image and just let you take it in for a moment. You'll see it come up behind me. There you go. That is not wine. That is, those, that's three flavors that comes from a particular, if you, you, can, you can read it, but I'm not going to advertise for free for them. But anyway, it's from a, a particular company that bottles grape juice. And I was introduced to this by a man. He, was, uh, he, he went through a lot in World War II. Uh, he was, um, I believe he was the lone survivor of um, a ship that was destroyed. So that haunted him. He became a friend of mine, and one of the days when I walked out, uh, went, drove to his house, and I walked to meet him, he was outside. He was, there was a bunch of lawn chairs, the old kind, the kind that you can repair. <laughs> and and they're, they're just all across his yard going, he had a big piece of property, but going from his house to his little shop area and then winded around his driveway and just about 10 feet apart and he had he was sitting in like the fourth or fifth one from his house and his wife wasn't there and I, I saw him out there I sat down next to him and every now and then he would get up and move one over and so I'd keep talking and like we're 20 feet away now so I'll get up and move to the next one and <laughs> he would just you know we'd sit and talk and anyway I finally asked him what are we doing he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm making it to my shop. And he's, a, he's, he's a very intelligent man, but he, he was uh, struggling with his physical ability to move. So about every 10 feet, he needed to take a break. So he had set up all these lawn chairs, and I, I can't even imagine what he went through to do that for himself, to be able to get to his shop and back to his house. He could just sit down every 10 feet and take a break. So that's how we got to his shop. Why was he going to his shop? 
we got there, because I, I didn't know what's, he's retired. He was a ghostwriter for uh, some politicians in this state. Now that's, that's where you write a book for them and they get all the credit. That's what he did. But he was retired and we get out to his shop and he took the lighter colored muscadine grape bottle and he said, I'm going to enjoy a taste of the nectar of God. And it was, he had it chilled in a little refrigerator and he, this is a thing he didn't do that often, but every now and then he just wanted some. And this, this uh, thing he called the nectar of God was the best grape juice I've ever had. I still order it today. I get it in a small box and we don't open it except on special occasions. And I'm telling you, when you drink it, you'd never pour it in a glass. You pour it in something much smaller than a typical glass, like a shot glass. Because you're going to want to sip it and enjoy every little explosion that happens in your mouth. It's like you're just drinking a grape that just, you just bit into this big, fat, perfect grape. Every little sip is like that. You don't drink it. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where you've got this party going on in your mouth because it's so good uh, drinking grape juice. I, I still marvel at it every time I drink it. Why am I telling you all this? This is what we get to do as we go through the Gospel of John. Every single little sip of it that we get, is gonna, it could be like an explosion going on inside of your soul. And I think that would be more aptly called the nectar of God. Any part of the Bible will fit that, but I'm telling you, the Gospel of John, yes. It's an amazing thing. God has packaged this so well. There is no way it could be done any better than the way it's done in the Gospel of John. So what we're going to be doing, if the Lord permits, 60 weeks, that's the time that we're going to be doing this. 60 weeks, that's a long time. Yes, it is. And that, that includes last week's message because it definitely ties into the series, even though today's the introduction. It doesn't include the one before, which was Mother's Day. That's in the list because I didn't want to have Father's Day on there without Mother's Day. That just didn't seem right. I could be judged for that. <laughs> 54 uh, is the number of kata ionan, according to John, messages that's that's with other messages intertwined and that's on purpose by the way there's like we have special messages you'll you'll see those if you haven't looked at the list we're going to hit some seasonal messages and we're not going to do some seasonal messages messages but they're they're on purpose for a reason and we definitely will be hitting a couple of patriotic messages that'll be coming up this summer and kind of encroaching into the fall because we must it's just something we've got to do it'll be good and those will be little fragmented breaks through the series and i believe what we will see is countless people closer to jesus including me as we go through this gospel so back to that chart you'll see it behind me with all those little things happening all over the place all of this comes together when we go through the Gospel of John. When we look at the life of Jesus, kata ionan, 
according to John, what he said. You might feel like saying that when I keep saying that Greek word over and over again instead of repeating it. What he said. I'm going to try. <laughs> but I want to do something now. I want to take you to a place that you may be at a slight disadvantage, but I have one in front of me because I grabbed one as I came in the door. This long piece of paper. It's got the messages that are posted around the facility. But I've got one in front of me. And, oh, look at you. You've got one behind me as well. So you can see what we're doing, what we're going through, just to highlight a couple of things. And if you have a paper and you're writing, there's some things you might want to take note of. But you just kind of, you can see next week, we, we talk about the concept. It was always about Jesus. I still look forward to that. I, I was very careful today not to say anything so far that I'm going to say next week. Something, something very, very cool. We're going to go through this whole thing. I'm not going line by line. Don't worry about that. But I do want to let you know. So on the 19th, you see that we're we got these little notes. Those little there's little footnotes. Those little footnotes will give you like different things like daylight savings time. All that different stuff is on there, so we can maybe keep ahead of things. But on the 19th is Father's Day. Special message message on Father's Day has nothing to do with Gospel of John. Uh, not the series at least, uh, but we're going to do that and that's also a day that we're going to have uh, a barbecue. So that's, if you didn't know about that, that's what we're doing. Uh, but a little bit further down, if we go down to all the way to 918, do you see that one? 918 is, uh, if you don't have it marked already, you might want to mark 918 because that is going to be what we do here we're going to call it friend day, the perfect time if you've got people that you know won't come because if they feel like they're going to be highlighted as the new person, that's a day where you, we can't do that because we'll have a bunch of pe new people. We'll just bring them, new people, extra people, bring them, set out more chairs, and we'll also gather for uh, a meal and encourage them to stay and we don't ask them to bring anything. Uh, but that's going to be our friend day. We're not changing anything in the message series. For that, we're going to have just a regular message, just like when Resurrection Sunday comes next year. We're just going to stick with the series and let God, let God do His thing. Let maybe some new people see God do His thing with what we're doing here, going through the Gospel of John. But I, I mentioned 918... It's interesting because the next week, well, if, if the Lord permits and we're staying with this series like that, the next week is when we actually will remind ourselves of what I think is the saddest verse in the Bible. By then we will have already talked about a moment where we see some sadness in Jesus, some extreme sadness. And it kind of gives us a snapshot of the heart of our Lord and, and it really pulls us in to his world. And I think that the same thing will happen when we talk about the saddest verse as well. You can see some other things as we go down the line. We've got, you've got a Thanksgiving Day message. John 11 is where that uh, super sad, uh, second sad thing we'll talk about. 
And there's, there's, there is sadness in here. But don't forget there's hope through it all. We'll go through this whole series. You'll see there's other things, including we got Tom Hoyle coming. We'll take a break from the series when he comes, but we'll, stick, we'll pick it up right where we left off uh, the very next week with a very apt message and a very common passage, but it drives home the point that Jesus is the only way. There are others that say otherwise, but Scripture, well, what he said. One that might be one you look forward to in the message titles is on uh, April 30th. It's about a year from now, isn't it? Title of the message is, It's All Gonna Work Out. We need to hear that every now and then, don't we? Kind of reminds me of Romans 8.28. And then you've got a list of things as things come to a, a head there at, toward the end. You've got the prayer, the arrest, the trials of the cross and the tomb. And then we'll wrap it up at the end. Pay careful attention to his word we're given. And that is the series we're going to go through in several weeks ahead, if the Lord permits. I keep saying it that way because he could return at any moment. He could return while I'm still talking about this series that we're planning to go through because his plans supersede ours, and no one knows, only the Father, not the Son, not even angels. So, Kata Ionan, according to John. The gospel, according to John. What he said, we're going to look into that much deeper. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're along for the journey. And I hope that it plays out like I think it will, where more people will get even closer to Jesus. And maybe that favorite verse that all of us can quote, the favorite verse of Billy Graham, Maybe instead of holding up a sign at a football game with the numbers on it, maybe we're actually going to be showing people what that is. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We anticipate what you have for us. We thank you for inspiring John to write what he wrote and delivering it to us in your Bible. God, we thank you for your love, and you, you make it so clear, and it just screams off the pages as we read through any part of your word. Thank you for the opportunity that's ahead of us. And Lord, as more opportunities come before us, as you put people right in front of us, right in our paths, that you help us to take advantage of those opportunities and help others to draw near to you. God, may many people come to know you in the coming weeks. May come to know you better. Help us to self-evaluate more than we criticize others. Help us to express love rather than frustration. In a world of chaos, Lord, make things clear in what we should do as individuals and as a church. Thank you for bringing us together today. Keep us unified by your spirit and by your word. And may you be blessed.
In Jesus' name, amen.